everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And we are back from San Francisco. Yes. But before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by Night Pillow. Night Pillow is our favorite pillow, and I literally can't imagine sleeping without mine. We'll tell you more about it later in the episode, but if you want one, you can take 20% off using the code BOP20 at discovernight.com. So we have a really amazing guest today. Molly Chen is joining us. And it's been so long since we recorded this that she's had a baby in the interim. Yeah, we wanted to make sure that we got her before she had a child and life got, well, a second child and life got really crazy. So I don't even remember what we talked about, but I think it's going to be a great interview. I'm excited. We love Molly. Before we get to Molly, though, what is your high this week? Uh, San Francisco was amazing. It was so much fun, and it was really productive. So I, um, we had our show, and the show went really well. Thanks to everyone who came out. We had an absolute blast. And then um, I worked a lot. I took meetings with a bunch of my brand partners for the blog, and it was so fun getting to meet so many of them face-to-face because I work with a lot of brands on the West Coast, and all we do is you know email and have conference calls etc so it was really great to get to actually meet some of these people that i talk to all the time in person nice what about you i don't know it just feels good to be back in the saddle and doing more live shows i'm excited i'm excited to go to new cities san francisco is great and i was especially excited to go to san francisco because i got to see so many friends there so we had plans every night like totally packed it with seeing all of my friends from when I lived there. Our friend Jackie is one of our friends from New York. She moved there. My uh, Somebody who was on my team at Lola just moved there. So yeah, it was really fun. Um, what about Lowe's? Oh my God. So while we were in San Francisco, um, my Williams-Sonoma account got hacked. And so what happened was is that somebody must have gotten the password to it and then it had a saved credit card in it. So I was looking at my credit card bill and I noticed this weird charge for like $650. And I've been decorating my apartment that I was like, maybe it was something that just I got charged late for. I couldn't figure out what it might be, but I've been buying so much home stuff that it seemed feasible that it could be me. So I emailed my designer and I was like, hey, do you have any idea what this could be? She replied and she had no idea. So I log into my account And I see that somebody has bought a Vitamix and sent it to themselves. Is that good taste? Well, it was it was particular. No, you don't even have. It was particularly offensive because I have a Cuisinart. It's fine. The blender is fine. I don't use the blender that much. But I was like, I want a Vitamix. (laughs) Somebody's using my money to buy themselves a Vitamix. Rude. So rude. So I called William Sonoma talk to them. They told me to call my credit card company. But across the board, I had so much trouble convincing everyone that it wasn't me. Yeah. Because they used my name on the shipping address, too. So it was shipped to Becca Freeman, but somewhere in Maryland. And I was like, I, like why would I be sending a stranger a Vitamix? It's a $650 blender. If I'm sending anyone a $650 blender, it's myself. Yeah. So I think I got taken care of, but I was so up in arms, even more so because it's something that I low-key want. That then got my credit card got hacked and they bought it for themselves. Well, I just got hacked on the real real, like right before we started recording. Somebody ordered sneakers using my name to an address in California. They changed my address my email address to my email plus one and then they ordered something. So Oof. now I have to deal with that. I don't know. Is it there's, there's something, something in the air? 
Yeah. So, Scams are in the air. Yeah. So I didn't have a low besides being tired from the live shows. We got home at 2 a.m. on Friday night. So I slept till noon on Saturday and it was oh, great. that's nice. Yeah. I've had a really low-key weekend. I've been a hermit, which is yeah. the best. It really is the best. Sometimes you just need that. Yeah. yeah. Well, wait. Should we talk a little bit about our San Francisco show? Yes. It was so much fun. We stayed at a great hotel. We stayed at the Park 55, which is a a Hilton property. Um, So we were right down in Union Square. It was so convenient. I could walk to all of my meetings the next day. Um, I love Union Square. Like, I love that mall with the Nordstrom. It's so nice. Oh, my God. I, I miss having a mall that's local. But that's actually right by where I used to live when I lived in San Francisco. It's probably... Our hotel was probably four blocks away from where I used to live. And you so lived in the bad direction. I lived in the bad direction, yeah. But it was really nostalgic for me to be staying so close to my old apartment. I always used to walk to the Westfield and go to the Nordstrom and go shopping. And oh, yeah, it made me sad. Yeah, it was a great location. The breakfast buffet was amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, they have a great gym. It's just like a great place to stay if you want to be in like a really convenient location and like the everyone there was so nice. But let's talk about the show. The show was so Sorry. fun. We had Jasmine Guillory with us and Elizabeth Holmes. It was so cool getting to meet them both. And they were both wonderful. Hopefully they will both be guests on the podcast at some point. Absolutely. We, we didn't have time to do that while we were in San Francisco. And then we also had two of our real life besties on stage as well. So we had Jackie and Victoria join us and talk about friendship and careers. And it was so fun. It was so fun. And there was a new game, which was meant to embarrass me, but I actually won. I'm gonna I'm gonna still work on this game. It's called Chicklet or Billboard Hit. And you have to guess whether it's a song or a book. And I thought Grace was gonna be worse at it because she has the music knowledge of a 70-year-old man, but she knows books. So yeah. I have to make it harder. I thought it was pretty hard, but it wasn't hard enough. Yeah, so I get to pick somebody from the audience and play against them, and I won. But I gave her the prize because obviously, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to keep the prize for, for DC. Myself. I'm gonna I'm gonna ratchet it up. Ooh, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, and the meet and greet. Oh yeah, it was our biggest meet and greet ever. Yeah, there was like sixty of you guys. We love it. I yeah. love getting to actually talk to the people who are there. Somebody DM'd me afterwards and said that they. They loved meeting us, but they like they felt so awkward at the meet and greet and like didn't really know what to say. And I was like, oh, it's just like our way of controlling the chaos, yeah, uh, and making it a little more orderly. But like, I love getting to meet our listeners afterwards. I got to meet um, this woman. Her name is Sai, and she's been reading my blog for probably at least five years and comments all the time. So it was so cool getting to finally meet after like years and years of commenting back on and forth on my blog. I legitimately feel like I know her because we talk in the comment section of my blog. That's so fun. Yeah, it was really cool. And I will say, I thought we looked really good. <laughs> Not to brag or anything. No, but we worked with Glam Squad on this this part of the tour, and they do such a great job. I love working with them because you can get your hair and your makeup done at once. It's so fast. And they come to you. And they do a great job. And they do lashes, which I love because I can't put false eyelashes on myself. Me either. The girl I had did such a good job. I, I took a photo of my makeup and put it on Instagram, but you couldn't tell how sparkly my eyeshadow was. It was, it was so fun. Pretty. Yeah. You looked great. Thanks. I looked great, too. You were supposed to say I looked great, You too. looked great, too. Thanks. Thanks. So as a quick desperation minute, we also have shows coming up in D.C. and Philly next week on the 16th and 17th, respectively. Yes. Uh, our Philly lineup is already up. It's amazing. 
Hitha, who is one of our podcast guests, is coming down from New York. Joe Piazza is our books guest. We, we love everything she's written. She's one of my favorite authors. Um, and then we have two other guests who are new to the pod fam. We have Olivia Mentor, who's one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram, and Sabine Zia, who was so requested by people there. So she's the founder of The Indie Shelf, which is an independent beauty shop in Philly. She also has her own cosmetics brand as well. Yeah, I'm excited to meet her. Yeah, me too. So grab tickets if you're in DC or Philly. We are announcing the DC guests soon, or maybe we already have because we're recording this on Sunday. So grab tickets at badonpaperpodcast.com backslash live. Do it. And also as a quick housekeeping note, if you're in New York City, those tickets are selling pretty fast. And I think that's going to sell out. So grab a ticket if you want one or don't complain to me if they are gone. Yes. Let's get into the interview with Molly. Yes. So Molly Chen is one of our favorite people to follow on Instagram, and she has a really amazing, well-written newsletter. She also has the cutest daughter, Lily, and she's always eating something that looks absolutely delicious. Seriously, I can't look at your her account when I'm hungry or I like need to go make something or order, in my case, usually order something immediately. We've been wa- wanting to have her on for a long time now, and we are so excited to have her here with us today. Besides her Instagram and her newsletter, Molly has had a really cool career. She started out in magazines writing for Connie Nast Traveler. Then she helped co- co-found Birchbox, which is where we initially met her. You might not know this, but Birchbox was actually based on the idea that everyone should have a Molly in their life, someone who gives you the best product suggestions. She was at Birchbox for several years where she led content and brand strategy, and then she left a few years ago back in, I think it was 2016. She freelanced for a little bit, she had her daughter, and most recently she was at Hungry Root leading brand and customer experience, and now she's taking a little time off to figure out her next thing. We're going to let her tell you all the rest. And now you have time to podcast with us. Yeah, I'm so excited. I know. Do you want to be our third co-host? I mean, I was hoping you would ask me. I thought about bringing treats. I was like, maybe if I bring Dunkin' Donuts, they'll invite me back next week. That's absolutely the way to our hearts. I literally thought about that. If I had passed by, I would have picked some up. I don't think anyone's ever brought us Dunkin', but it's not really on the way. So Yeah. Yeah. Molly, I'm so excited you're here. I'm excited too. I don't know where to start because we have so many questions. Yeah, it's like beauty and food and life and parenthood and marriage. There's so many different topics. But maybe we start with, can you give us the rundown Tell us about your career path, the elevator version of Molly from college to now. Like, who are you? What have you done? Yeah, great question. Um, I have always had a lot of opinions, which I think is like the real theme of my career path and life, um, as my husband would tell you and my daughter when she can speak in full sentences. But um, I, so I started my career in magazines. I wanted to be the editor-in-chief of Gourmet Magazine. That was like my dream. Conde Nast was the be-all end-all for me. Um, I got a job at Conde Nast Traveler and was really lucky to work there kind of in three years of the, for three years as during the heyday of Conde Nast, there were still black cars or people still were able to spend money. There were advertisers. Um, it was a really exciting time to be young and understanding what magazines and content were. And then 2008 happened and things got really, really shitty. Um, and more than anything, it felt like the digital was changing so quickly and becoming this like new exciting land and magazines really weren't catching up. So um, at that time, I started to look around at startups. Um, one of my best friends from college, Haley Barna, was at Harvard Business School um, where she met Katya. 
And they had an idea to make it easier for customers to, for women to try and buy beauty products. Um, it wasn't, you know, went through many iterations, but the kind of basics were, um, if you are a beauty brand, you're trying to reach customers. If you're a customer, you're trying to find what works for you. How can you bridge the gap? And so they were batting around this idea. We started talking in 2010. I quit my job, joined Birchbox as the first employee and co-founder. Um, we had kind of a, a crazy few, I mean, I think we started building in, we did a beta in the spring of 2010. We launched in September of 2010. So it was like a I very. I was a member. Yeah, that's how I first met Grace. Um, it was, was one of the wild. first 10 members. <laughs> the first 10? Yes. Crazy. Absolutely. Oh my God, nuts. you're like in the Hall of Fame. I found no, it, you really are. It was because of Twitter. I, you like I know, replied I don't. with some like re- product recommendations and I was like, oh, I like this brand. What is this? Yeah. And I mean, at that up. point, I literally, anyone who talked to us on Twitter, I was like. I'll name my firstborn child after you. I remember going to your <laughs> office and you guys had the boxes all laid out mm-hmm. with the pink tissue paper and you guys were like folding the paper over the products and making it look all perfect. Yeah, we packed. I mean, that didn't last very long, but we packed them in our offices for a very short amount of time. And then we were all we were shipping full size out of our office for a while, too. And so career. So Birchbox is really so I spent five years at Kanye Nast and then I spent six years at Birchbox. My role there was brand um, and content and you know many many other things but it was all these things that looking back now we call them brands but at the time it was just we're a new company we want people to pay us money to send to let us into their home to to with something that is very personal beauty how do we create trust how do we create something that people get excited about month over month and so started building out what our content was started building out our social some things that we did then that feel that were big decisions for us where we wrote all our product pages because we wanted them to all be in our voice and us as the editors versus um, what the brands wanted us to say about their mascara or their skincare. Oh, it's like blogging kind of. Yeah. (laughs) We really thought about it as like, you know, it's our job to put the right products in front of the right people Um, and had an amazing, I mean, it was life-changing experience. Um, Very, and actually I remember Grace and I talked a lot about this like over because you were at Bobble Bar at the time, and like we were both growing extremely fast, and it was just like this kind of classic um, startup roller coaster. Um, and I left in 2016, kind of done a lot, built a lot, was ready to tackle the next thing. So you were there like six years? Six years, yeah. Yeah. It's like a million years in startup. Startup life. years are like dog years. Yeah. Oh my How God, they are. At, um, Lola. Three years. Three years at Bobble Bar, three years at Lola. Okay. So yeah, you've got the same yeah. amount of startup crazy years. But you know, six years at a startup, that's 42 years in dog and startup years. Yeah. Yeah, you can wild. retire now. <laughs> the num- yeah, the number You've of times career. my role changed. Um, but it was amazing. Um, and we were just talking before we started recording about there's so many amazing people that I met through Birchbox, just like the smart people we hired who have gone on to work at cool companies, start cool companies. Um, I think that's been one of the most amazing things coming out of it. It's yeah. almost like a second alumni network. Like you yeah, have your totally. college alumni and then yeah, you yeah. have like startup alumni. Oh yeah. The little Birchbox Mafia. Yeah. Thinking about the beauty industry, I can name like ten people off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um and so after I left Birchbox, I did a little of like time off and then ended up consulting on brand strategy for other early stage companies. Had my daughter. Um and then when I came back, I was really looking for a full time role and wanted to jump into something I could get really excited about. And I landed at Hungry Root, which is another direct to consumer food company trying to solve the problem of how to make healthy food easy. Spent a very exciting year there. Ultimately left um because I'd kind of built a team that was doing a great job and it was my time there had ended. Um now I'm in this like time off period again, which is 
very lucky and for someone who's type A, like also can be a little stressful. Um, and that's where I am right now. It was a long winded. Yeah. No, that wasn't long winded at all. <laughs> but wait, tell us about your newsletter. Oh, yes. Because so, I don't think everyone here knows about it, and it's a good one. We're always looking for good newsletter recommendations. I appreciate Newsletters it. are, like, maybe my favorite way to consume media. Yeah. Like, I like a newsletter. I, you don't like this answer, but I don't like checking blogs. And then on Instagram, because of the algorithm, I feel like I don't see yeah. everything that people post. Like, I love a good newsletter. It's I just hanging out in your inbox being like, I'm here. Open I think every Yeah. I think every blogger should have a newsletter with like additional content, but also to drive people to go see their blog. Yeah, I mean, it really came out of, I had some time when I was looking for a job, um, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I had some time. I have an excess amount of opinions. Um, a lot of my <laughs> friends are constantly texting me, as I'm sure both of you guys have this experience, like, what should I make for dinner? Like, what should I buy? Like, what kind of skincare XYZ? And actually a lot of baby stuff. And one of the reasons I wanted to do a newsletter is because I feel like there are way too many choices out there and it can make people crazy. So I just started it for fun. Um, and it's kind of a grab bag of things that I'm excited about. And it's everything from recipes. There's always like a good recipe that I stand behind that's going to be not too hard and be extra delicious. There might be like a skincare thing or I don't know, a bathing suit brand or stuff for Lily. And you put it on your website too. Yeah, it's got a little like home on the internet as well, mollychen.com. So can we talk about Birchbox? Yeah, totally. You want to know something funny? Yes. Well, I mean, you know this, but I don't think listeners know this, is that we got so many questions for you about Birchbox, and you <laughs> left Birchbox in 2016, and I'm at Birchbox. I'm consulting with I know. Birchbox right now. I love now. it. It makes me really happy, actually. So we have a lot of Birchbox love yeah. in this room, but okay, we got a ton of Birchbox questions. Tons. Yeah. I think this one is really interesting. How does Birchbox decide what products to feature? I saw this one and it was so interesting to me that it was asked in this way because, well, first of all, we, your box, when you get your Birchbox should be different from like anyone else's box. So the products we feature in any given month are a mix of what we think is kind of appropriate seasonally, what we think makes, makes sense for our customer base, but it all is all under the umbrella of What's our, whatever is our promise to the customer? Our promise is we're going to make it easy, easy and fun to try and find beauty products that work for you. So how do you kind of then you have to start with like, well, what products? So we in curating products from across the entire universe, which brands do we stand behind? We um, Birchbox focuses primarily on prestige brands um, because those are the brands that you want to try before you buy them. Um, not that you wouldn't want to try a drugstore brand, but it's a lower barrier to entry. So what are the right brands? What are the best products from those brands? And then thinking about if we have a million customers, um, we know 30% of them have dry skin, 50% of them are you know, between the ages of X and Y. Um, so thinking about how, how many of our customers will like this product. So it's like a bit of a puzzle. Um, one of the fun things, I know this is another question is like how, I can't remember if it was like, how do you put, decide what to put in a certain person's box, but we had something called, or there is something called the happiness algorithm, which is literally um, a program that our lead data scientist wrote back in, I don't even know, like 2014, that says, here's all the samples that are available. Here are all the customers. Here's all their beauty profile data. Here's what they got last month. Here's the, what they have indicated they wanted based on like harding reviewing. And it matches samples up with people. So there's Whoa. all this like data that goes into building your perfect birch box, which is like maybe not like, you know, you don't see all of that when you open your box, but hopefully you feel it. 
That's really neat. I, I just assumed that there was like 10 standard boxes and everyone got like a no, different No, there's one. between 80 and 100 different variations every month. Wow. Yeah, there's like a welcome box that you can gift to people that has all universal favorites. But Oh, interesting. Wait, though. What would your say? You got to pick your dream birch box. What would I be know. in it? Ugh. I think this is the hardest question I we have for you today. I mean, it's only hard because you can only put five products in a box. Come so basically, on. it's more like, what are your top five favorite products? Okay, so I thought I'll answer this two ways because I thought categories of products, and then I thought specific products. So categories of products, I like, am old and lazy, or like getting old, <laughs> and have always been lazy about beauty, and so skincare, I think, is the easiest way to like look good. So I was thinking I'd want two things in my want box. I'd want a really great mask. So I'd want like a re, um, the two that came to mind were Tata Harper's resurfacing mask. Best mask. It's so great. Um, or Herbivore's Brighton. I don't know if you use that one. I they're, haven't tried that one yet. They're kind of like birds of the same feather. Okay. Like you put them on, they're like gel consistencies and they basically just like dissolve all the gunk and like it slips yeah. away and it's just you, you just, just glow look, yeah you just look glowy so that's one guys why didn't we put on face masks to record this episode <laughs> we should be. i mean if we were all wearing those like fa- the paper mask and they would just like slowly dripping on our faces yeah um <laughs> that would be really gr- interesting. Uh, <laughs> you were about to say gross yeah that was like interesting <laughs> um a great bb cream because again lazy and i just think they're the most genius two in ones like i want sunscreen i want skincare i want coverage um, um i love blush and i love mascara I, those are basically the only items makeup i wear well, although lately i would say like in the past two years i've been convinced that if i had to go one or the other i do brow gel over mascara because i think it makes a huge difference um, and lately I've been using Beauty Counters Brow Gel. I'm really into it. You guys oh, I use like that, that one? one too. No, because I'm it doesn't more of a brow go anywhere. Pencil person. I know, but it's, I'm so sweaty right now that mm. it's like nothing sticks to my skin. Well, I like the pencil because then you kind of fill in behind. Yeah. I do both. Yeah. My oh. brows just need help because they're a little lighter. Spotty. Yeah. But I, you know what I love right now for brow gel is the, um, what is that brand? Oh my God. It, the Lime Crime. The pink, it's pink. And I really? hate it. I hate the packaging because it's Wait, not like I only know their lipsticks. They it's have bushy brow. Bushy brow. Oh, cool. yeah. It's great. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like whenever I get my eyebrows started, even though I go to the Indian places where they always have, well, I go to Shoba and they have like beautiful brows, they never believe me when I say that I want them to be as full as possible. And I always yeah. have to be like, no, I want them to like be fuller. So, yeah. I um, I don't know if that was five products, but basically, like, my whole thing is like, how little can I do to look bright? And it's skincare, blush, mascara, brow. I think that's a great box. I'd be psyched with that. <laughs> you told us that you believe skincare is the the holy grail to looking <laughs> good while being lazy. What is your skincare regimen like? What are what are the things you do? Because I appreciate the lazy routine. Sometimes yeah, even when Grace say. goes through things, I'm like, oh, too much effort. Wait, how many I'll be like, steps this is do you a, have? It's not that many. How do you have any? It it varies on the day. I give my skin what it needs. <laughs> the things I always see do, that means too many. No, it's not because with the doctor that was so diplomatic with the doctor Botter cream. That's all you can do. Right every, now, I'm every episode I listen to talks about that cream. And somebody you, left a review being like, "If I hear about that goddamn cream one more time, I'm going to scream." I'm like close to. I'm just. Like, I don't think I can spend that much on that cream right now. Um, right now, I'm testing. You have that. children who have to go to college. Yeah. It will and a twos program. You know how much yeah. a twos program is? No, I have no idea. It's too much is what it is. Um, okay, skincare. Uh, I do have like I have like somewhere in between like a truly lazy routine. It's like you wash your face and you put moisturizer on. I feel like. 
every time I go, well, first of all, I've been a member of Heyday for two years. Um, Heyday is a facial spa based. Well, actually, they're based in New York, but they have locations probably where a lot of your listeners are in L.A. I think L.A. L.A. and New York are the only ones. Okay, but what facial do you get there? Because I went, and I love all the products mm-hmm. they use, but I felt like it was a product demonstration. I was like, this isn't a real facial. Yeah. so Not to talk shit, because I know like they're a great company. They're they're a great company. And so I was about to say Glowbar is also something I'm really excited about. I'm right dying now. to go Let's, to Glowbar. You have to go I don't to Glowbar. Know, I don't know what Glowbar okay. is. Everyone is Let's, talking about this place. Let's take a little sidebar about these two things. Okay. People keep asking me. They're like, you do both. Tell me the real thing. Um, I love both the founders. I think they're building incredible companies. Um, Globar started by a former Birchbox. Um, Rachel. Yeah, Rachelista. Um, you go to Globar, you don't, you wash your own face. And it's, it's intended to be somewhere in between a spa facial and a dermatologist appointment. So you go in, it's 30 minutes. It's highly, highly effective. And that can mean something different for you, for me. Like I got dermaplaning when I went in, which is like they like shaved all the skin off my face and my skin has never been softer. She said if I hadn't been pregnant, they would have done, I don't know, something I can't remember, um, like an intense peel or something like that. Heyday, what I like about Heyday is it felt like – what I do like about Heyday is it's a membership. You can you can go in for one-off. But I think to get benefits of those types of products, which are all on the pretty – like the very clean, natural side of the spectrum. I love the products they the use. products are amazing. I've bought so much stuff um, via Heyday. I feel like I cheat on Birchbox with them sometimes. Um, I would get a 30 minute one month and a 50 minute another month. The 50 is like excavating all the gunk <clears throat> and doing like the extractions that I need. And the 30 was really just like a good tune up. Like it's like you spent 30 minutes on your skin, except I'm never spending 30 minutes on my yeah. skin. So that's, how, that's what I do. And okay. I think that the 50 and my sister, when she comes to town from Boston, gets the 75 sometimes at 8 And it's amazing because they have time to do like an extra peel. I think she sometimes gets like the LED light. Like it's all sorts of like other stuff. See, that seems legit. But then I'm like, but it's, then it's pretty expensive. So I'm like, oh, I'll just go to another spa. But I like this idea of outsourcing your major skincare. Yeah. And then it allows you to be lazier. Yeah. And then in between, you just have like a very bare bones routine. Exactly. Like I'm not doing masks on the weekly basis. You have to do Glowbar though. Um, I'm dying to go. I know, I'm, I'm looking at you. I need to book it. You're like, go back I'm to on their website right and I'm about to book it. <laughs> I'm taking my mom in in a week. Um, um, so my basics are at, at night I do, I spend more time on nightly because it just feels like if you're going to get bang for your buck, you do it at night. Um, so I do, uh, I have an oil cleanser I really like from one love organics. And then I do a cream cleanser. It's taken me forever to figure out like the cleansing thing. Cause for a while I was using cleansers that were too drying. And then I was using stuff that left a film on my face. Wait, um, before we get too deep into skincare, mm-hmm. how would you classify your skin so people can decide if they're a Molly or not? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I'm just like straight up combination, like oily in the T-zone, like dry in the cheeks. Um, and I've actually, in pregnancy, my, I think a lot of people have big skin changes. Mine really hasn't changed that much, except it's actually gotten a little drier, which is, I don't know if that's normal or not. But, um, but mostly, I mean, we live in New York. It's like, there's a lot of stuff in the air. It's like your skin's always kind of grimy. Um, so I do oil cleanser and then a cream cleanser. I love Grown Alchemist, which I discovered at Heyday. Um, hey, hey I like anything that doesn't smell like like a vat of flowers. Like mm-hmm. I just, I like unisex products. Like Rob and I basically use all the same products. If I could have everything ace up at my house, I'd probably do that. Yeah. Um, and then I have a great moisturizer I got at Globar that was very expensive for me. It's like IS Clinical, like some sort of like peptides or something in it. It makes me feel like I look younger. 
You look great. So Thank you. I have a sheen of sweat right now because it's hot in New York City. I think we all do. Um, and then I use a face oil on top of that. So it's like not that bad. I, I use oil? a toner in between. Um, I use Herbivore's um, Phoenix oil. I love okay. Herbivore. I just love, I love that brand. Herbivore. It's like good looking products. Mm-hmm. Everything's great. It's all really clean. Wait, you know what you got to try from them is the Bakuchiol serum. It's a um, plant-based retinol alternative, which oh, is cool. safe for pregnant people. Well, Yeah. I yeah. need that for sure as I have wrinkles and I want them to go away. So I'm not seeing very many I'm wrinkles. I'm not seeing very many. Honestly. Mm. But I've noticed a big difference using um, that. Yeah, I'm a fan of that brand. Somebody asked, do you have a favorite vitamin C serum? You didn't mention C- vitamin C serum. I know. I saw that and it made me feel – it was like when, it's like when your mom is like, have you done X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, oh, I should be doing that. Um, I actually have dark spots. I grew up in Miami. I have like hyperpigmentation. I should use a vitamin C. I've never – gotten into the habit i don't know why um there are a couple i've tried over the years but don't have a favorite well i'll i'll just yeah I was jump say, in do you here have- <laughs> no i don't have a serum but i've been really into the ole hendrickson banana bright eye cream oh I heard you so and then there's that. also the truth serum mm-hmm. isn't that what it's called yes that's the that's a good one see i figured i'd get a recommendation and i wanted to try the drunk elephant one because i like that line and i know they have a good one or i know that yeah. there's i feel one. like drunk elephant is overhyped i personally. think the, i feel the same i feel like it okay. is all packaging and so packaging here's my except the bronzing drops that, those are the best thing ever everything else is meh i have very very sensitive skin mm-hmm. so i don't know if this is true across the board or if this is a just me issue but i find my skin reacting poorly to many of Drunk Elephant's okay. products. Good to know. Um, I do like Ole Hendrickson. I have not used those products in a while. But and the problem is, like, I, since I don't work at Birchbox anymore, I don't have it all in front of me. And it's, I mean, this is why Birchbox is helpful. Like, I, it is helpful to sample. And it's helpful when I go to Heyday to leave with samples and things like that. Because I don't yeah. want to spend $80 on something if I don't know if it's going to work. Totally. A good vitamin C serum that I tried recently was, have you guys seen Sephora's new Clean Collection? Mm-mm. It's, I think it's eight products and one of them is, and they're all really affordable. It's a $20 vitamin C and oh, E serum. That's really affordable. Yeah. I okay. recommend Good that. recommendations. I like them. What about keeping your skincare routine safe during your pregnancy? Has that been a focus? Are there things you're avoiding? Are there things you've added? Yeah. It's funny. I was thinking this is my second pregnancy and I feel like the first time around I had to do a bit of a clean sweep and it wasn't that I... I was already trying to migrate my products a little more on the clean side anyway. And so it really was just, I had a, an, a toner with salicylic acid in it that you could basically, it's like retinol, salicylic acid, and, um, hydroquinone, quinine, which is anything in like a lightning. Okay. Product. So I didn't have to do a lot, but I did want to mention this one product that I didn't have the first time around. So you know, how everyone's like, you have to like massage your belly so it doesn't get stretch marks. Um, there is a product called the Body Stone. Um, Kate McLeod, have you heard of this? Mm-mm. Okay, it's. I'll get her. Um, she's a friend of mine. I'm sure she'd be happy to to send over some to try. But she, um, she's a just this like amazing, amazingly smart, brilliant woman who had the idea of putting moisturizer oh. in a solid bar. It's. it's like I'm a, looking at this. It looks like soap, kind of. It's a stone. Yeah, it's like a beautiful white, um, like circle stone. Mm-hmm. Um, that when you put it on your body, it's made with cocoa butter and essential oils. It just melts on your skin. And oh, interesting. So there's no packaging. There's like, a sleep one. There's a mama one. Yeah. And so depending on – I use the mama one because it doesn't have any, like, fragrance or anything like that. Um, I'm not super sensitive to it, but you may as well just be safe. 
but it it has like I think almond oil, coconut oil. But what I like about it is it's like there's no like pump. Your hands don't get like all like goopy. Um, there's no packaging. So like I have a like a really pretty little bamboo canister that it comes in. And then if I get a refill, I just like put it in there. Like I feel like there's all these companies. Have you guys seen like Blue Land? Where no. you order okay, Blue Land is cleaning supplies, but you get um you get this like set of bottles and the tablets are what you keep refilling. You get a tablet and the tablet combines with water to make the solution. So you're not oh, buying so bottles. Interesting. Yeah, no one wants more plastic. Like and I have plenty of plastic in my life, but so that is something I've added to my routine in this pregnancy that has been very lovely. Um, but otherwise, I mean, my I buy a lot of products from Birchbox and Heyday that are all on the more natural side. And you know, I wasn't using retinols, even though I should. So maybe I'll try, try, the this, I'll try this like Bakuchi yeah. oil. It's also fun to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's in my bathroom. You can find it afterwards. <laughs> I know. I might just like go peek around there. What about – do you have any recommendations for beauty on a budget? I – feel like I am a minimalist and I'm pretty lazy, yeah. but I tend to use more expensive products. I don't have a lot of drugstore so, finds. I know. I saw this and I was like, oh, it's not that I spend so much. It's just I don't buy that much product. So I don't, I mean, I have two, I have two good recommendations. Um, a Cure. Do you guys know a Cure? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think for natural products, I think they're unbelievably well-priced. Um, and I have found um like the types of things i love from them are like their wipes which is like why would you ever buy expensive wipes um i think they have a couple like really good like brightening scrubs um they have uh, my sister really actually loves their serums so that's like a great natural one and i actually also love lolita which i know Mm -hmm. i was gonna be my rack yeah yeah lolita's it's funny i discovered that when i was at connie nast because they i feel like they were playing up they're from australia right they're like playing up the Mm -hmm. in um international vibe but like their rose, um, can't remember the exact name of it. Like there's a rose moisturizer, the skin food, like it's all just good stuff. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So let's take a quick break to talk about a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our favorite pillow. It is Night Pillow. So we are obviously both huge fans of the brand. You've heard us talk about them a million times. And it was so, I love when we go on tour, we play this, we play a game of bingo and the prize is always night pillow. And we do this at every show and everyone goes nuts. Like it's like, and the prize is a night pillow. And it's like, you would think that I was just like, and Julia Roberts is joining us. (laughs) People go crazy. It's so great. So we obviously love our night pillows. We've been working with them for a long time now, but I think it's really important to ask yourself, if you're not obsessed with your pillow, what are you even doing? You're asleep for a third of your life, so you should absolutely love your pillow. But today, we actually wanted to talk about a few of Knight's other products as they don't just sell one pillow. They actually have a few great new products for travel, so if you're on the go a lot, which obviously we are this month, you should know about them. The sheet masks. Can we talk about the sheet masks? No, that wasn't even where I was going. I want to talk about they have a travel pillow. You guys, the sheet masks have gold in them. Okay. Well, we're just on different pages. They they make you glow like an angel. And I don't even like sheet masks because they can be a little bit too messy for my liking. These really work, though. Okay. So we are on very different pages. Grace (laughs) is excited about the sheet masks. And I am excited about the travel neck pillow. It's really incredible. It's designed to go with you on longer trips. And it's the same memory foam that's in there regular bed pillow and it's really high so when i tried it i thought that it was going to be uncomfortable yeah but it's wildly comfortable it's really perfectly like ergonomically made yeah and it comes with a little pouch so you can take it with you in your carry-on and it doesn't get 
dirty and exposed to the elements. Um, but I'm excited to do some more traveling with my night travel pillow. I know. It's pretty great. I'm still obsessed with the sheet masks. But in all seriousness, the travel pillow is amazing and it would make a great holiday gift for somebody. I know we're not to the holidays yet, but I've already started shopping um, for someone who travels a lot. It's shaped perfectly to cradle your neck, so it's great with longer flights. Um, I always sleep with a window seat. Yeah, me too. I'm a window person. A lot of times I fall asleep with my head against the window, which is comfortable in the moment, but then I wake up and I have neck pain. Oh, I can't even fall asleep like that. There's like too much rattling. I need I need a pillow to be able to sleep. Yeah, I do it against the window and then I hate myself. Yeah. So either way, the pillow is great. And Grace is right. The sheet masks are amazing. It just wasn't what I wanted to talk about. Um, I used one before the makeup artist came over to do our makeup when we were in San Francisco. And she told me that my skin looked really wonderful. So I think it was the sheet mask. Or you just have wonderful skin. But I think it was the sheet mask. Rude. It wasn't rude. I was saying something nice. So anyways, night is just the best. The pillow, the travel pillow, the sheet masks, we love it all. So if you're ready to try it for yourself, visit www.discovernight.com to learn more about the night pillow and take 20% off using code BOP20. Again, that's 20% off your order at discovernight.com with promo code BOP20. Back to the episode. So... We're going to switch gears a little over to careers, <laughs> but um, the first question still is about Birchbox. So we wanted to talk a little bit about what leaving Birchbox was like. I think Becca and I have both gone through really similar things being in that startup space where you help to build this tiny little thing into something really big and then leave. Um, we'd love to get your take on what that was like. Yeah. Um, it was really emotional, um, obviously. Totally. Uh, leaving, I mean, I wrote a, I actually wrote a medium post about this. Um, in I remember order to, it. <laughs> yeah. It was really cathartic for me because we it, should put it in the show notes. Um, yeah, it was fun. I mean, a, a lot, it's one of the reasons I wrote it is because I knew a lot of people who had written about joining companies, um, or selling companies or even folding companies. But like, there was very little about this, like privileged thing that you get to do when you join a really successful, like a fast growing startup, which is like. One day you leave, and um, it is often very bittersweet, as it was for me. So um, it was hard to make the decision. Um, the de- I made the decision to leave because I'd kind of hit my, hit a wall with what I could contribute to the company, you know, in a meaningful way. One of the reasons, like the startup is startups are a drug because you have such an immediate impact. Like everything you do, kind of moves the needle in some big way. You're building, you're building, you're building, and I just wasn't building anymore. I was like fine tuning, and that didn't feel good to me. And I didn't feel like I was learning, and I didn't feel like I was giving back in a big enough way. Um, so there was like the decision to leave, and then the actual leaving was also just kind of. I think the big one of the biggest things was just like, what? Who am I outside of this thing? Because for six years it had been Molly as part of Birchbox. I, you know, my mom knew everyone in the office, like. You know, I lived and breathed it. And so it was really like recalibrating. And with startups more so than another job, it's so all-encompassing. Yeah. Like you do not leave the office and you're like, oh, I'm off email. You're, you know, you're like, you're on. It's such a big part of your life. Yeah. All the time. And just personally too, like the, my, some of my best friends continue to be people I worked with at Birchbox. Um, My personal, like, tiny personal brand is like was very focused on Birchbox like every picture on Instagram was of Birchbox like so it really was like finding I have this like I was just, because I'm doing time off now again I was looking back at my 
journal um, that I had started. I basically had like a journal of like thinks, um, like all my thinks for my head. Um, and some of them were just that I wanted to be like more myself. I wanted to like find, like be grounded and like recalibrate and be the best version of me outside of this like wonderful thing I'd been a part of. So it was really emotional, but it was also looking back, it was just a good experience to go through because transitions are hard and so learning how to deal with them is always really important. Did you feel differently about leaving Hungry Root than you did about leaving Birchbox? Did you get better at it or it was just that you were there <laughs> a shorter time? I, I think both. I, okay. Yeah. I think I'm now becoming a little bit of a mini expert on time off. No. Um, leaving something that you start is so different than leaving a company that even, you know, I got to build so much at Hungry Root. I got to hire amazing people. It was a really amazing experience. Ultimately, it's not my company. I came in four years after I've been started. Um, Ben, the founder, um, is great, and and I really, really admire what he's doing at the company, but it wasn't mine, um, and so it's a very different experience. But time off, I think second time around, what, the perspective you have is like, I feel like your kind of like high watermark of anxiety comes down a little bit, at least if you're me, and also just having a kid, just like spending more time with her is all, is just great no matter what, so there's kind of like things in my life that were just different. I think you are kind of an expert on time off because <laughs> the way that I met Molly, so I'd heard about Molly for years and years and years from Grace and I followed you on Instagram and I knew who you were, but I'd never, we'd never met. And um, when I was thinking about leaving Lola, Grace set us up on a friend date and we went for <laughs> I drinks. I forgot about that. that. So and you had some of the most honest and actionable advice that anyone gave me during that time when I was thinking about leaving making sure that I wanted to leave and then thinking about what to do next. Because I feel like the common thing that everyone says is, it's great. Freelancing is great. Working for yourself is great. And I feel like I remember you told me about um, an exercise that you did online to like calibrate your, oh, your totally. interests. And you had like, you had all these things that you were so much more thoughtful about it than a lot of the advice that I got. I mean, I might just be more neurotic than some of the people you talk to. I but mean, I'm, I'm very neurotic. I'm like a compulsive list maker. So um, one of the, so the thing that I think you're mentioning oh my is God, I you guys it. are like two of a kind. Becca has these like serial killer style oh my lists written out on post-it notes and then she lines them all up and they're all written like perfectly. And like, I mean, I have a lot of lists too, That's but it's like everything's lists. written in crazy ways. Oh, mine are, oh, mine Becca's are our serial killer style lists. I'm like, never, I'm never going to get on your bad side because I don't want to be murdered. <laughs> I mean, I have three notebooks right now and Evernotes. But there's this thing called Ikigai, which I think is what we're talking about. Um, it's basically this Japanese concept of finding the Venn diagram of what you're good at, what you want to do, what someone will pay you for, what some, what's good for yes. the world. I might be butchering it a little bit. Um, I actually, Haley Barna told me to do this. Haley, who left Birchbox a year before me and was kind of like I followed in her path. Um, she's also still my best friend and one of the most brilliant people I know. But I mean, I think the truth is like, yeah, we're really lucky to be able to leave companies and take time. We're really lucky to be able to work for ourselves if we want to. I think consulting is one of the hardest things you can do. Like, I think it's very, um, it's really challenging to kind of collect a body of, of projects and, and turn it into something that feels really cohesive. And it takes a certain type of personality. It also just takes work to do it over and over again. And what I, what I tell people, so I don't, I think I've cobbled together work. I think I've cobbled together an income, but I don't think I've cobbled together fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And I think that I would feel very differently about consulting if I did not have the podcast mm -hmm. yeah. as kind of a personal project. 
Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. I mean, for me, consulting, um, you just, it's like the best. I mean, when I was joking about what I did in my time off or why I consulted was I wanted to date a while before I joined something. And like, it's great. You get to dabble. You get to like learn what another company is like. You get to kind of flex your skills in different ways, but it doesn't, you don't have the ownership at the end of the day. And so depending on where you are in your life cycle or your career cycle, you might want that ownership or you might be okay being like a little more arm's length. Well, what about, I, I want to talk about navigating your career change because you were at Condé Nast and then you went to Birchbox and then I don't know if you would consider from Birchbox to Hungry Road a career change, but you've kind of had a few different incarnations yeah. of what you do professionally. Like somebody asked, how do you prepare for it, self-care, et cetera? I'm curious just what your thoughts are. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is there, no matter what you're, everything you're doing next is kind of a continuation of your career. So that like, there are like the crazy changes where you're like fully, like you're going from being a lawyer to like being a bread baker or something like that. But I think my, actually after I left Birchbox, one of the the things I had to do was think about how my skills translated outside of Birchbox. Cause it was a bubble where I knew everyone and everything. Um, the kind of systems we had created were very specific to the company. It's not that our problems were like new problems, but they were like, you know, ones that I understood in the context of Birchbox. So I had to basically think about what am, what am I great at and like package those skills up in a way that could be applied to other types of companies. And so that was a very real process I had to go through, including like plenty of like imposter syndrome of like, can I do this again? Like I built a great brand here. Does it apply somewhere else? And mm-hmm. that's where actually consulting was really helpful in kind of fleshing out my skill set and fleshing out my experience. Um, even at Hungry, like when I went into that role, it was thinking about not a career change, but like career growth. Like what are the skills I want to be adding to my repertoire? Like there were things I hadn't done before. Like I was telling um, Becca, like we hadn't done, I'd never run a, pan- a subway campaign before. And that was really exciting and different. Or I'd never run uh, managed certain types of teams. Um, on the self-care piece of it, I think giving yourself time in between things is really important, even if it's like two weeks. I think people need time to just like, it's like when we sleep, our bodies repair ourselves. It's like you need a week, you need two weeks. Some people need more than that in order to kind of like come down after leaving something and then come up into leaving. Like I always get a little like uh, worried for people when they jump straight from one job into another with like no downtime. I think that's really smart. I'm I'm quiet because I'm like, I've never had downtime between a job. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm like looking yeah. at you, Grace. <laughs> um, what about when it's time to move on from something? Like how you've you've talked about this a little bit, but how do you know when the time is right to move on? Yeah, there it's really personal and I think there's there are plenty of signs, I think, for if you are really if you're someone who is high achieving and ambitious and like cares a lot about what you do, like one of the biggest signs will be if you feel like you're not learning. Like if you feel like um you have just hit a wall in some way and you've tried to figure out other ways you could be learning and you're not finding them. I think that that is one of the biggest things is like you've kind of exhausted your ability to learn. Um, I think harder to identify or something that requires a little bit of like looking toward yourself is like, is, am I fulfilling you? Am I being used to the best of my abilities? And that's like a little trickier because someone will probably continue to pay you. Someone will continue to pay you to do a job, but you might know like you're not adding a ton of impact. Um, you're not having a huge impact or you could be doing more, but you're not being utilized. Um, I actually felt that way at Connie Nast. I felt incredibly underutilized um, in the last couple of years because I was doing, 
a pretty traditional like magazine editor role and it was great and I was busy, but it's like, I wanted to be doing more. I wanted to be helping push the brand beyond. And I was like, you know, 26, like <laughs> it wasn't like anyone was like asking me for my idea memos, but, um, um, I think it can be really frustrating. So I think you just have to kind of like examine your feelings and I, w- I, you know, I don't, uh, advise like doing this overnight, I think, but all these feelings like kind of coalesce into a direction and, you're, you know, you might have a significant other or a parent or a sister who will tell you, stop complaining, like it might be time to go, or you might have to just make that decision yourself. Can I offer some deeply unhelpful advice to our listeners? Yes. Always. I think, in my mind, I think this is all really great advice, but I think speaking from my own experience, you have to stay too long somewhere Mm. because I absolutely think that I stayed six months too long at Bobble Bar and it was the reason that I knew that it was time to leave right. when I was at Lola because I had overstayed that. Oh, and oh, that's so, so having smart. having seen it and being like, oh, because, you know, you're like, oh, it's going to change. It's going to, I'm going to oh, fix yeah. this. It's going to get better. And then that's like, really, I think that's actually really helpful. It's not helpful going into it because you don't no. know it's too long, but it's helpful in retrospect because I stay too late at Birchbox. I was like pretty unhappy with my role for a while and kept thinking I could fix it. And I think it's something I've gotten better at through having stayed too long. Mm -hmm. So if you're worried you're messing up, it's in the service of learning because you will know next time. That's very zen and very, I like it. I think that's really helpful advice, not unhelpful at all. Well, I mean, it's not very actionable. Yeah, no, you're right, but. You'll figure it out next time. Yeah. But yeah, it was like, I left Bobble Bar at the point where I was very ready to leave and like in retrospect I was like I should have left six months ago when I started to get this itch so you know when I started to feel the same way the second time I was like I know this feeling yeah no that makes a ton of sense well let's take a quick break for a sponsor and then I want to talk about one of my favorite topics that you're an expert on food oh yeah we can talk all day about food all right let's take another quick sponsor break. So today's episode is also sponsored by Birchbox, which is a monthly beauty subscription box that delivers you a monthly dose of you time for just $15 a month. So I used to be a Birchbox subscriber way, way back in the day. And I must have stopped at some point, I think when I moved from San Francisco to New York. But then this spring, I worked on a consulting project with them. And I remembered how obsessed I am with Birchbox. It's like getting a little present every month, which I love. It's so nice. So Birchbox sends you a monthly box of personalized samples to help you discover new products that you love. They also have a shop where you can buy full-size versions of the samples you love. And they carry amazing brands. So they have Mac, Benefit, Wonder Beauty, Sunday Riley. Um, But they also stock, which is my favorite part, more indie brands that you haven't even heard of before. So I love that because you can discover so many cool new things with your Birchbox. What's great about Birchbox is that you fill out a profile about your skin. So you tell them all of your preferences across skin, hair, beauty, etc., and then they will customize that box for you. Honestly, this year I've been so busy with traveling and work in the podcast that I can't remember the last time that I went into a beauty store just to browse. I have become just such a creature of habit where I just keep rebuying the same things over and over. So I love that Birchbox does the curation for me and it helps me to find new brands and try products that I wouldn't have otherwise tried. Also, when my box comes, it's like a little reminder to stop and slow down and take a minute for self-care. 
So last month, I got this really great watermelon face mask from a brand called Perlice, which I hadn't even heard of. And I put it on right away, and then I like spent a few minutes playing with all my new treats. And it was just such a good time out. The last thing that we'll say that we love is that it's a great way to get mini trial size products to travel with. If you follow me on Instagram, I always share my little um, travel beauty beauty products that I take. And last month in my box, I got a, an Oribe texturizing spray that I threw in my travel kit. So it's just great to use when I'm on the road. It smells amazing and it's just like, it's like better than dry shampoo. It's amazing. Yeah, but it's nice to have like the luxury beauty samples to travel with as opposed to the junky oh, like yeah. drugstore ones. Well, you know me. I, I don't do that. I know. I'm, I'm luxury all the way. I know. So most of what travels with me I get from my Birchbox. Yeah. If you want to try Birchbox, you can go to birchbox.com backslash BOP and use promo code BOP to get $5 off your first box. Again, go to birchbox.com backslash BOP and use promo code BOP to get $5 off your first box. Okay, let's go get back to the episode. So we're going to talk about food. And this is <laughs> one of Becca and my favorite subjects. Well, my favorite subject is eating, the part, the, the eating part of food. But one of the things – so I love following Molly on Instagram because I feel like you are just such an appreciator of food in terms of like – restaurants in terms of going to the farmer's market in terms of make it like making food at home between you and Rob like I'm just so impressed with your home chef status which I do not have I you know what I've realized I really really enjoy cooking for other people I was just in San Francisco and I stayed with a friend and as a thank you I cooked dinner for her and her husband and I really enjoyed that and I was like oh, I'm going to make something really elaborate. But if I'm just cooking for myself and I'm Mm -hmm. single and I live by myself, so that's most times Mm -hmm. that I'm cooking, I derive no pleasure from that. Yeah, I think cooking for yourself is really hard. Um, Like I cobble together dinner or I have like popcorn ice cream when I'm by myself. Yeah. Um, And it's not that – so I love – I mean I admittedly like I think about food more than any – I mean too much like – all day, every day, go to bed thinking about what I'm going to eat for breakfast. It To me, it's just like, it's fun. Like some people have hobbies. I have food. Like food is my hobby. Um, but I do, like the things I feel strongly about in the food world is like, it should be fun and it should be something that fits your lifestyle and what you want. Like if you, I do think cooking can be really enjoyable, but like not everyone wants to do project cooking. Like Rob, my husband is a project cook. Like he wants to make sourdough bread. He wants to do the perfect I don't even know. He wants to grill squid. And I'm just like, why? Like, I want to. Oh, I was really <laughs> impressed by his paella phase. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that right. was like a while ago. So you really have been paying attention. Um, yeah. Like, I just, I want, I want to eat all delicious things all the time. And so I optimize my life around that. And that means picking the, a restaurant where, like, I know I can get a great breakfast. Or it means making sure my fridge is full of great vegetables. Um I am also like lazy. So I'm actually a good person to talk to about food because I do expect you to put in some effort, but I don't expect you to like cook every single thing from scratch for every single meal because that is just exhausting. Well, so tell us about one question we got was about quick and healthy meal prep ideas. And Mm -hmm. I feel like you also excel at healthy. Yeah. I mean, I like green things a lot. Um, If I start a business at some point, it will probably be called green things, even if it has nothing to do with green things. Do you have Um, the domain? um, I think I have the Instagram handle. Don't take it anyone. Um, But I do go buy it. (laughs) And then I'm going to sell it to you for 10 times the price. That is so mean. I'm just kidding. I have a... Do you you own any funny domains? 
Um, no, but I have an acquaintance who loves buying domain names and has bought like all like every time she thinks like something's a business idea, she buys it. That's hysterical. And she's also bought like all of her enemies' names so that they can never have their own names. So like I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm glad like, I have I all love my. that. I'm also a little scared of her. Somebody has Grace Atwood and I'm like, is it you? Do you buy yeah. it? <laughs> it's just in case. Yeah. It's like in case you guys turn on each other. Yeah. Um uh healthy. Yeah. I mean yeah, healthiest. I feel like I also have very strong feelings about healthy. Like I think what means what's healthy for me is like different than healthy for you. So it's about figuring out what the right balance is. But but like what are your top two things that are go-tos that are healthy but quick weeknight yeah. weeknighty meals? Yes. So I think I don't think people should spend all of Sunday prepping, but I think there's an element of like if you're just cooking for a single meal and you're not planning on having leftovers that's when it gets frustrating and that's actually when it gets expensive too when people are saying like it's more expensive to cook for yourself so for me a grain salad like everyone should know how to make a grain salad like if you can't eat gluten you can make a quinoa salad but everyone should know how to cook grains in a way that's delicious and add vegetables add a nut add cheese it's literally kind of like the most flexible format ever and the reason why i love grain salads is that you can make the grains on a monday night you can have them with a dressing on Tuesday with something else. You can put them together with vegetables. It's kind of like just like building blocks. Like I always think about food as like healthy building blocks you can fit together. So I think everyone should know how to make a grain salad. I think everyone should know how to make homemade salad dressing because it tastes way better than store-bought. It's way better for you. And we make it in like a little jar. It's just shallots and mustard um, and vinegar and salt, pepper, and olive oil. You shake it up in a in like a glass jar and leave it in your fridge. And all of a sudden you're like a magician when you want to make dinner. You're like, oh, I have lettuce. I have salad dressing. I have dinner, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, then other basic stuff is like everyone, I feel like learning how to roast a chicken, it's like dead simple and it can be a dinner party thing. It can be dinner for you one night and then turns into a salad or sandwiches or whatever. Um, but like those are kind of our go-tos. Like we have a ton of vegetables in our fridge all the time. In the winter, I roast them. In the summer, we grill a lot. Um, I always, it's like the extras that make a salad taste good, like cheese or nuts, or like if you want dried fruit in your salad or something like that. Like I'm really not a dried fruit on salad person, but. Oh, gross. Okay. I'm glad. We've had a lot of talks about fruit. I am a going fresh with fruit and I really person. hate yes. craisins. I like hate them so much. Like if we go to a restaurant and I see a salad with craisins on the menu, I will walk out of that restaurant. Are you my friend that gets upset about fruit being mixed with breads and chocolate? Because I hate, I hate fruit, fruit and, and chocolate together. I just hate fruit and chocolate together. Yeah. Like I'll eat bananas with chocolate, but that's the only thing. And there's one cake I'll make that has pear and dark chocolate. It's a Smitten Kitchen cake. It's so good. I don't I don't, I don't know why. it. Interesting. Yeah. I generally don't believe that fruit belongs with other things. Like I don't like dried fruit and bread. Like cinnamon raisin bagels are my absolute worst nightmare. Um, that doesn't I bother me that much. I am here to support cinnamon raisin bread and to support fruit and chocolate together. Ugh. Oh. Ugh, it's not good. Like I hate cho- like chocolate covered strawberries. Like I hate, hate I those. To disagree. I like chocolate covered strawberry. I will defend those. So how can you like those? That's like the prototypical fruit and chocolate. No, it's more fruit and bread and des- and fruit oh, and desserts. So I'm like really on this. Other I think side fruity desserts are one thing, and chocolate desserts are another thing. Like chocolate belongs with like peanut butter, whereas yeah. and like caramel fruit belongs with like ice cream and meringue. Yes, and- totally. Okay, so we're kind of on the same yeah. page. But what about like a really great chocolate cake with like raspberry no. drizzle? No, no. Oh my god, oh, I hate it. It doesn't belong there. I really hate them together. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, you guys, uh-huh. the podcast is breaking up over fruit and chocolate. 
Well, it's so funny. I don't like the. Um, but fruit and bread is even worse. I, oh, that, that is a. I think that's like a controversial like raisin bread. Oh, cranberry bread. I just banana bread is great. Uh, it's this, this like a you thing. Bread. I don't think this is a common thing that people dislike. Oh my god, it's so upsetting. <laughs> Let's get to less controversial. Sorry, I'm stealing the the interview. I want to know. So you talked about prepping with regards to grains. Mm-hmm. Do you meal prep or are you a what do I want for dinner tonight person? A little bit of both. Um, I fridge prep more than anything. So you know, don't want to go grocery shop, grocery shopping every day. So. Whether it, on Saturday we always go to the farmer's market and pick up, you know, we eat so many eggs. So we always get eggs and greens. It's like you get the kind of basics that I know if I have greens in the house, I can make eggs and greens for breakfast. Um, then any, then we kind of pick like one or two things we're going to make during the week. Like Rob and I cook a lot together. It's not like I'm like, we both love cooking. We take very different approaches to it, but I think, um, if you're married to me, you better be used to talking about food all day, every day. So, um, you know, we'll, there'll be like one or two things we want to make during the week and those will end up being like the meals for the other day. So it's a little bit of both. It's like prepping your fridge with all the things that you know you want to use. Like we always have tahini. We always have vegetables. We always have like a cheese that you can crumble over things. Um, there's always pasta in our pantry. Um, can of chickpeas and then picking one or two um, if you want to try a new recipe or if you're just going back to a standby and making a little extra so that it can be used the next day. What about influencers? Do you take any food inspiration from influencers? And if so, who are your favorite food accounts to follow? Yeah, I, it's funny. Like I follow a lot of, I mean, unsurprisingly follow a lot of food people. I tend to love, like I tend to love people who are professionals at what they do. Like I love the Bon Appetit content. I think mm-hmm. they're doing best in class food content, both kind of all their videos, their Instagram, their recipes. They have amazing food editors. So like I follow Bon Appetit, but I also follow other editors. I follow like all the people who write for the Times, like um, Allison Roman or Sarah Copeland. Um, and then there's a handful of actual bloggers I follow because like I like Shut the Kill Up because I like her breakfasts and like I love a good smoothie. So like giving new smoothie ideas. I think Smitten Kitchen's like old school, always has kind of... Always good recipes. Yeah, it's like the best strawberry cake. I always want to go to her. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I'm kind of with Becca, like I don't read a ton of blogs, so I get my food content from Besides Instagram. the Stripe. Exactly, besides the Stripe, which I go to very regularly for book recommendations and things like Beauty and Pajamas. Great. I don't go there regularly. You entice me there regularly, though. Oh, the yeah. The only time I go to the Stripe <laughs> is if I swipe up from your story... Or if I click through your newsletter, but I yeah. like I consume your content tangentially, and that's then why I got to spam everyone with all this stuff because you don't no, want to just go. That's in. how we all. No, it's it's just the the future of media. Yeah, it's everything's changed. No one has a homepage anymore. Well, this I know you have opinions on. What are your favorite cookbooks? <laughs> opinions on everything? <laughs> well, great. Yeah, um, that makes a good guess. Okay, I thought this was a great um, question because I've bought way too many cookbooks, and because I, I love them, and I'm happy that I own them. But when I look at my shelf, I picked out the ones that I use really frequently. So. Um, salt, fat, acid, heat, Samin Nostrat. It's, you are supposed to read it. It's a. I learned so did much you, from that did book. Did you read as it? A, yes. Is it so fun? Yes. I never read as a it. pretty amateurish cook. Like I follow, when I cook, I follow recipes, yeah. but I don't understand. I don't have like an innate talent. And I thought her explanations, it's like s- somewhat scientific, but I thought it was so helpful it's so helpful it's not condescending at all the idea is like if you understand the basics behind why a salad dressing tastes good like why you know 
fat and acid and salt um, all to come together into these things, it just makes you better. It's like in cooking, like I actually, I get really nervous cooking meat still, but like basic things like why you shouldn't put a cold steak on you know, in a pan, for example. So Salt, Fat, Acid, He's the kind of book that you should read through it's start to finish. It's a Netflix series now. Yeah, the Netflix yeah. series will make you very, very hungry. Okay. There's um one of the episode about Italy basically caused Rob to spend a day and a half making focaccia, which was very good, but like it really, our Saturday and Sunday went down the tubes. Um, Alison Roman, um, she wrote a book called Dining In that I'm came out a couple years ago. With yeah. Roman. So like, I mean, you and everyone else, and I, she's amazing. And what she really like hits on is recipes that are not basic, but are not complicated and that hit the kind of healthy ish, but not too healthy. Like I have plenty of cookbooks on my shelf that are like way too healthy or way too indulgent. And it, hers are like squarely in the middle. And do you know what I love about Alison Roman is that I feel like she is somebody like me. She is in her thirties. She lives in a Brooklyn apartment. She is not in this like 7,000 square no. foot yeah. palatial kitchen where she's like, I'm going to dirty 97 dishes. Oh my God. I won't. And she's not, yeah. you know, she's not cooking for a brood of children where she's like, here's how to hide spinach in this, you oh know? I can't even start with the hiding, the hiding vegetables and other things. It drives me crazy. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, she lives around the corner from me and she's awesome. Um, I, that's like a book I've given to many people. Um, and I would say another one that I've given to a lot of people is um, Food 52 Genius Recipes. Um, each recipe, it's kind of a grab bag of recipes, but within it, the the idea is like everyone has this like genius twist on it. So there is a chicken recipe that is uses chicken thighs and preserved lemon that I swear we make once every two weeks. It's just excellent. Everyone should make it. There's a great kale salad that's like a different twist on the kale salad. There's a whole wheat chocolate chip cookie, things like that. Um, but those are the ones. and. I would say the one book that I've, I think is like a little flies under the radar a little is um, Six Seasons. It's by um, a chef named Joshua McFadden. And it's organized by seasons and by vegetable, which I, oh. as a green thing lover, so like you have a ton of zucchini, he's got five zucchini recipes. And it, it's just like a fun way. It's a fun way to kind of think about pro, like produce forward. It's not a vegetarian cookbook. But it's it's really exuberant in the way that he approaches vegetables and just like really, really um, inspiring. Okay, that's a good list. Wait, what do you think about, because my favorite cookbook, it's embarrassing, is the Gwyneth Paltrow It's All Good cookbook. Oh, funny. So I don't actually have it. Oh, really? I Like many people have told yeah. me I would like it, but it's I don't really, have it. It's really good. I've heard great things about it from, from food people too. Like yeah. From food people and non-food people. I also love the... Oshi Glows cookbook. And I'm not even yeah. vegan, but I think that's how I learned how to make creamy soup without making, yeah. without putting cream in it. Totally. I mean, I love all that stuff. It's just thinking about the ones where I love all the recipes. Mm-hmm. The, like I have, like I have the Violet Bakery cookbook and it's an amazing baking book, but there's only one thing I make from that book. It's the best cake in the world. It's called the Summer Spelt Cake. It's like an idiot, like it's like totally idiot proof. Like you can, I've like swapped out the butter for oil. I've swapped out the you know, buckwheat for XYZ, like those cookbooks are great and I love them. They're not ones that I cook everything from. Okay. What about restaurants? Talk to us about restaurants. You, okay. I'm going to make this very specific. Okay. You have a giving me a scenario. I like it. Worth of meals to eat in New York. So I want breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Okay. But I don't want too many. I want like the highlight reel. The, okay. like, you're going to die on Monday highlight reel. Okay, well, we should... That's very morbid. We should caveat... We, uh, just, like, give some context about... I used to go to a lot of restaurants, especially when I when I was at Traveler. I went to, like, 
I did food coverage, so I was constantly eating out. And then I, at Birchbox, I was still like out because I was single and still had energy. I have a kid now and we live in Brooklyn. So more than anything, it's not even, it's But your kid is with your parents. I want the highlight reel. I know, but I guess I'm just saying I don't necessarily go to the nearest and best. Like I prioritize being able to sit at the bar in a beautiful place, have a great glass of wine, and I don't want to be browbeaten into having um, a full, like I don't want to have to order an entree. Those are my, so that's just, I'm just setting the stage. So that's who no you one, are as a yeah, eater. No one get okay. mad at me if I don't say your favorite restaurant. Um, so weekend, how would I design this? I mean, it would have to be a mix of, let's just do one day in Brooklyn and one day in Manhattan just Great. for simplicity. Perfect. So if you're going to hang out in Brooklyn, you're probably going to be in my neighborhood. Um, I know it's not your neighborhood, but I live in Burham Hill and I love it. It's where, um, you know, kind of where Grace's sisters live, sister lives, like very quaint and beautiful. Um, I'd probably send you, to get breakfast at Rucola because it's on my corner and it's very, it's like the quintessential neighborhood restaurant. I had breakfast there this morning. They have a great granola yogurt. They have a great egg sandwich with like a brioche bun and bacon. And it's not that it's going to like blow your mind. It's like the atmosphere will just make you super happy. And then for um, lunch, so you're going to take a break. You're going to like go for a little walk. For lunch, I would probably go same kind of like vibe plus like happiness. I would go to Frankie's. Love, oh, I love Frankie's. And I would sit specifically in the backyard. And because in this like dream scenario, I'm not pregnant, I'm having a Negroni with lunch and I'm ordering there all their like salumi and cheeses and stuff. They have great bread and olive oil. Like they sell their olive oil and everyone goes nuts over it. It's just like you can just drink it. And I would get their BLT, even if it's like not BLT season, because I love it. It's on focaccia and it's amazing. And then they have a bunch of salads. You can just order like salads. And then they actually controversially don't have dessert that I like. So you'd have to go find dessert. So after this, you'd probably go to Ample Hills and you'd get. Molly, Ooh. I'm so hungry. Okay. I'm so hungry. <laughs> I want to go to <laughs> We're not even at dinner. for lunch this weekend. It's But only go for lunch because you want to sit outside in the backyard and you don't want to deal with crowds. Yeah. Um, Ample Hills for ice cream. Are you sure you want me to keep going? Yeah, I want you okay. to keep going. Ample Hills for ice cream. Um, this is important as two people who understand Boston. They have a cookie and, I'm oh, sorry, coffee, cookies, and cream flavor that is not as good as JP Licks. Yeah, it's not Oreo. as good as Ooh. coffee Oreo, but is a very strong um, approximation of it. Um, and then in, at dinner, I mean, if it, just because this is like my favorite like neighborhood, I'd either send you to Long Island Bar to have a burger and another cocktail, or you'd go to Lavara and sit and have like a bunch of tapas. It's just easy it's it's kind of like the best of why you live in brooklyn it's like places that are busy and buzzy but like you aren't standing in line for and have great food and great service so then oh my gosh and then if you're going to be in the city okay two easy picks i think anyone who's eating out in new york city and has um and wants like a new york experience should sit at the bar gramercy tavern um for lunch um you can do it for dinner for sure or you can do it at 5 p.m but um, Danny Meyer still has like the best service in the business and it's just a place where you'll feel so special. Like I've never done that. Oh, it's the best. And go during the winter when just like the Christmas lights are there. Um, I would also do, I would say another like only in New York thing that everyone should do is have drinks at Ben Moments. Have you done like cocktails Favorite at Ben Moments? It's like the best. Yeah. Um, so you could cobble together like an amazing day of like lunch at Gramercy, cocktails at Bemelman's. You could get a pastry at um, the Met Brower at Ultra Parody, so or not Ultra Parody, so at um, Flora Bar. Um, and then I would say the other the other two places in the city I'm living right now. Now I'm just like going off script because I can't think of a breakfast That's place okay. specifically. Servos um, down um, in Chinatown, 
which is amazing natural wines and like seafood, oh, small um, plates. My friend is involved with that, Lauren Gary. Do you it's, know Lauren? I don't know Lauren, oh, okay. but I love service and I love yeah. Hearts, their restaurant in Brooklyn. Um, and then everyone's obsessed with it, but I'm going to say it anyway, but Via Carota, which is like the happiest. It's like feels like you're in Italy, but like the most New York, most beautiful version of Italy. And you can, again, have a Negroni and have beautiful plates of vegetables and salumis and things like that. Guys, I gotta go eat. I'm starving. I know. No, I gotta so get my parents now. to come babysit Lily. Seriously, you gotta get out that baby so we can go drink some cocktails. And I eat have. Some I food. mean, like, I literally could just keep listing things that I want people to eat, but we don't have that, that much time. Save it for your blog. Your forthcoming. <laughs> my forthcoming newsletter. Seriously, but you entertain a lot. So yeah. the opposite of going out. What are your best tips and tricks for having people over? I think just like doing it more. Like I, we love. I mean, I've been throwing dinner parties since I didn't, like I had an apartment in the West Village that was 300 square feet and a one bedroom. So you can imagine how small the living room was. And it just like, I love eating with people. I love cooking. I hate going to a restaurant where like you're spending a ton of money and you can't hear what anyone says in a big group. Um, So I think my best tips are like, just do it. Just like for, if, if it's something you're interested in, like just like force yourself to do it and to kind of start building the muscle of dinner parties. Um, don't do it all yourself. Like never should you ever try to do the snacks and the dinner and the dessert and all the wine all yourself. Like whoever you're inviting, you know, kind of play to their strengths and give them really specific instructions. Like if you have friends who are more than happy to go to the wine store, but like are going to pick out crappy wine, like give them really specific instructions. Or if you want someone to bring a dessert, but, and you're making a full Mediterranean meal and you don't want them to bring, God forbid, like, banana bread. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like something Grace would hate. Um, raisin bagels for dessert. Exactly. If you don't want them to bring raisin bagels for dessert, Why are you friends it. with this person? <laughs> I know. That's a reason for a friend breakup right there. Um, but I think giving assignments <laughs> is good. And I think not trying to cook everything from scratch or not trying to make everything a production. So like choose one or two things. Those are the things that you're going to spend time cooking, whether it's the main or the salad or whatever, um, and have a chunk of it done before people come. But I wouldn't get stressed about finishing the meal when people are there. It actually like gives you something to talk about and no one wants to like walk in and sit down to dinner. That's so awkward. I like that advice. All right. One more sponsor break. So today's episode is also sponsored by Nicely Noted, which is a letterpress stationery service based in San Francisco. They make the absolute cutest greeting cards. So every month they send you three cards and a couple months ago in my package, I got the cutest card that has a hot dog on it. It was a birthday card. That I said, got it too. And I was like, I hope Becca got this one. I know. And so our friend Jackie, I we both call each other hot dogs. It's a really dumb inside joke that doesn't make sense to anyone else. But I sent her this hot dog birthday card for her birthday in August. And I was such a hero. It was so great to have just the perfect card on hand. I don't know if you noticed, I also gave you a birthday card from yeah, my nicely did, noted I loved box. It. Mm-hmm. I just, I feel more organized when I have the perfect card ready to go. With postage, but we'll mm-hmm. get to that. So Nicely Noted has been featured everywhere in Real Simple, in Oprah's Magazine O, and on the Today Show. So snail mail is a lost art, which I can certainly attest to. And Nicely Noted's hope is that the convenience of having the perfect card on hand with postage inspires more people to take a minute offline and share the joy of sending and receiving a handwritten card. So Nicely Noted offers a monthly delivery of curated letterpress cards with the stamps, making it easy to send handwritten notes. I love that it comes with the stamps because... First of all, the stamps that they use are really pretty, so they look nice with your greeting card. And of course, I like everything to be pretty. 
But um, I I always like forget about stamps. Mm, yeah, I never have them on hand. Yeah. So you can purchase it as a subscription for yourself, or it makes a really cute gift. It's a great gift. So you'll get three handmade letterpress cards. They're all blank inside and three beautiful USPS stamps. And you'll have everything you need. And it comes to you every month. So we love Nicely Noted, and we have a special offer for Bad on Paper listeners. So you can get $5 off your first month subscription with code BOP5 at NicelyNoted.com. So again, $5 off your first month subscription with code BOP5 at NicelyNoted.com. Let's get back to the episode. So our last bucket of questions is about marriage and parenthood. Are you ready? I just I was like I'm nervous. Don't be nervous. You should well, be. The first you saw question, all these questions. The first and, question I know. <laughs> is a compliment where somebody said you and Rob seem to do a really good job at navigating equal roles in parenting, and they said that they would love your tips for navigating that. I know. I showed this to Rob, and he was like, "Ah, choose the right person," um, which is like not good. Mary Rob. Yeah, Mary Rob is really the answer, or marry me. Um, I think so. I actually do think. This is something we think about a lot because it's really important to both of us. Um, it is really important that not that it's not a straight down the middle parenting, but there it's a feeling of like being in it together. Um, and so one thing that what we did from the get go was we just did a lot of things together from, you know, when Lily was very young, like when I was breastfeeding her through the night, Rob was up with me so that it never felt like there was something I could do that he doesn't. Obviously I was the one feeding her, but he would change her diaper. Like we started to get into the rhythm of doing things together from the beginning. Um, I think like one thing is just like putting not, there will, there will be things that each parent is naturally better at or more inclined to do, but not falling into those roles and like forcing yourselves to like, whether it's an actual duty, like have the other person do it. Or even with things like, um, like when Lily was a baby, like, nursing a baby is usually the easiest way to like get them to calm down. Like we just like, I would just like give her to Rob and she would cry and he would bounce her around. And like, you know, we kind of, you putting yourself kind of forcing yourselves to like not always choose the easiest route in order to make sure that like you feel like you're in it together. Um, I think that the other thing that's important to me is just like, it's constantly checking in. It's like any relationship, whether it's a friendship or parent relationship or anything is like constant check-ins. And so there are times in our relationship where it feels like it's imbalanced. Like I feel like I'm doing more of the, the emotional baggage of parenting or whatever it is. And you just pointing it out and just like laying it out there and trying to address it as much as you can feels really, really important. Has this all just come about naturally or are there books or people or have there been resources that you've used to kind of establish your point of view here? Um, no, I mean, we were best friends for five years before we even started dating. So like, we also come to this from a we have a di- we are like a code we're like very independent people who are codependent we like we like doing things together we like you know it's important to both of us so i think some of it is just naturally the way we are i think in in the lead up to having lily we looked at certain parents that we knew and there were certain examples that we just you know it worked for them but didn't work for us for lots of reasons like we have we have friends or know people where one person's career is way more important and bigger than the other per- person's. Like we, we don't have that. Like we, while there have been times in our relationship where I haven't been working or my work life has been different, like we both have the kind of same level of ambition. Um, so I think we, it's more like kind of seeing the things you, you do like and don't like without really pass, trying not to pass judgment on that, those people's relationship. It's more about just like what you think would fit into your lifestyle and what would work for you. 
What's your best advice for new moms? What are like the things that you wish you read somewhere new? Yeah, the um, I mean, a couple of things. Get out of the house for any new parents. Like, get out of the house immediately. I don't care if it's January. Just like get out of the house. Like we were out of the house with Lily every single day, multiple days. We just like did all the errands. We were like walked in circles around our neighborhood. We created mini adventures. Like if you, I know that there's a lot about having a baby that can feel like scary or you just want to be nesting. It's not that you should not be home, but I think it's really important to like get out in the world and kind of remind yourself that you are part of the world. Um, I think for, for women, especially not assuming that something's wrong with you or your baby, I think that that's like the one thing I would want anyone to take away. It's like a lot of this could have to do with breastfeeding, but it could also have to do with like having a fussy baby. Like I think it's really easy to think it's your fault. And so talking to a friend who has a baby at the same age is a good way to kind of just like bring yourself down to reality or talking to a professional, whether it's a lactation consultant or whatever. But I think that's really important because there's, I, I get really sad when people talk about how hard like it is uh, very hard having an infant but it also is like magical and a bubble and like you should people should have the space to kind of enjoy that and so I think a lot of it comes a lot of the hard comes from just the anxiety and the kind of self you know the self like you know thinking something's wrong and not asking for help and all those different things and I think honestly like we were so lucky like Rob had a whole month off and then had another month where he's in the office only three days a week and like I think everyone should have that, but I know that most people don't. What about somebody wrote, this is another compliment. You seem to have such a balance. How do you do it all? (laughs) How do you react to that question? Oh my God. My first, I was like, I don't do it all. There's so many things I don't do. (laughs) I feel like that's that's because someone sees you on social media and your life looks perfect, but there's probably a lot of behind the scenes there. Yeah. Well, I think it's also, I just don't do it all. Like, I think that that is a great compliment. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I just know the things that make me happy and I make space for those. And there's many things I don't do. Like the things that make me happy are family and friends and like, like prioritizing them and exercise and healthy food. Like those are the three things. What are some examples of things you've opted out of? Like I used to, like when I first moved to the city or like for the first like seven years I lived in the city, I was single and had no money. So I did a lot of like free stuff in New York City. Like I did a lot of New York City adventures. I don't do that anymore. Like I don't go to summer movies. I don't um, like go to every art exhibit. Like I still do some of those things, but they're they're extra and they're kind of like these very special things I do. Like um, I think there are just things like I actually would – almost always rather stay in and read than go out um, in the evenings. Like we don't go out to eat a lot unless it's, we love eating out, but it's like we can cook a lot of great things at home. So it's just like the trade-off. And I think some of it is just learning what's going to get, like the classic, like does it give you energy? Does it not give you energy? Like going to a workout class gives me more energy than like basically anything else. Like it, and so I make space for that. Um, I don't know. I don't get, like, I don't care about fashion. I don't think about that. Like, I don't watch YouTube videos. I don't do like a lot of like, I don't understand a lot of pop pop culture. People think I'm like so old. Oh my God. I'm so bad with pop culture. I'm terrible at pop culture. Like Rob's always like, did you hear about this X thing that this YouTuber did? I'm like, I don't even know who that person is. And that name sounds so made up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. What about, um, this is the last question. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Somebody, well, then we're going to have you do your own desperation minute. Oh, fun. But do you plan to stay in Brooklyn with two kids? Um, yes, hopefully. I mean, Lily signed up for school. 
Um, we, yeah, I think we feel like Brooklyn is our home. Um, I feel really lucky to live in a place where we can tumble out our front door and see so many people that we love. We have a lot of friends who live in the neighborhood. Like we have a concentration of things. I think when I first moved to New York, I really didn't think I could like survive here. It's too expensive. It's too big. But I think it's about finding your community of like people and things and places. Um, and, you know, I think the last thing I'll say is like when you pay rent or buy a house or whatever in New York, you actually like are paying not just for your like little square footage you pay for like your immediate vicinity and you kind of like own it. And so like that's how we think about our little neighborhood and why it's okay to not to have, you know, a giant space. You have a great space, though. Yeah, your we we are very really lucky. Cool. Yeah. So well, Molly, you've been such a wonderful guest. It's been so fun. Please tell people where they can find more of you. I like this. My desperation minute. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Molly Chen. I'm Molly with an I E. Um, and you can also sign up for my newsletter at tinyletter.com backslash Molly Chen. And I think that's about it for now. I don't know. Go do those things. Do yeah. those things. If you live in Brooklyn, Instagram. I'm like usually walking around. I bet by the time this airs, you'll have the swipe up. Oh, I know. I was telling these um, ladies that I need 10,000 followers on Instagram because literally all I want to do is share recipes and it's really annoying when you can't swipe up. Yeah. That's all I want. And she's at 9,500 yeah. as of recording, but I think she'll be at 10,000. Yeah. yeah. We I have good recommendations. Cute kid. It's like... Your kid is very cute. She's, she's pretty pretty adorable. Another cute kid on the way. <laughs> yeah. Not someone who follows people for their kids, but I love Lily. I know. I feel like that's high praise from you guys. Like, I don't follow anyone for their kids. Yeah. I'm a Lily enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's so she cute. get t-shirts made. <laughs> I'll join that. I'd wear one. Yay. Thanks, Yay. Molly. Thank you guys so much. Oh, don't you just love Molly? Love Molly. I've been wanting her to be a guest on the episode for so long. I'm so happy we finally had her on. I just feel like she has such a great balance. Like, I don't know how she does everything she does. Yeah. And I think she's had such an interesting career. And we've never really had a guest talk about cooking or food that much so that was a new yeah a new area for us but outside of molly who i'm like incredibly obsessed with what else are you obsessed with grace so i am still just so obsessed with my pregnancy pillow and i love that you and alex our two super hardy house members also bought it no mine is lost in the mail oh it was supposed to come last friday and it got lost in the mail so i um emailed amazon yesterday it's, it's supposed to come tomorrow it's the best you, i can't wait to try change it your life. it's so wonderful i sleep like a baby with it, it it's the the u-shaped one i have it linked in my amazon shop which is in my instagram bio but it um it looks like a, a u and you kind of lay in the middle and one side supports your back and the other side like cradles you and then you hug it so it if you tend to sleep and like fold in on your shoulders when you side sleep it's really good for that and I just sleep so well with it. It just looks cozy. It looks like you're you're cradled in it. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about that again. But my other obsession is – well, I have two. Sorry. This is a lot of obsessions. But watching The Politician on Netflix. Uh, we just discovered. I'm watching that too. Yeah. So I you, came downstairs and Grace was like, do you know what I'm watching? The Politician. I was like, same. Yeah. It's great. So if you want like a fun light show, it's a very – it's a dark comedy, I would say. It's, yeah. It's great. Um, and the guy who plays River, I like went down a rabbit hole. I'm like, I have such a crush on him. Um, but he is 26, so I felt kind of gross. Hey, yeah, but he's hot. I love him. I follow him on Instagram. Now. He can be your he can be your haze from the idea of you. <laughs> he can. That's who we're gonna say. That's who we're gonna cast it as. 
He's got the dark hair. He'd be great. It's a second youth. We know a second we youth now. We know two. So now we have two crushes. We have Noah Centineo and we have, this what's this guy. guy's name? I don't know. I forget his name. Grace, you got to learn his name. River. <laughs> we, so, we literally know no youths. <laughs> my other, my third obsession is my Emma LaFleur trench coat, which I was wearing the whole time that we were in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's just a great, light, transitional trench coat. And I learned this weekend that Becca doesn't own a trench coat. I don't. I don't know why you are so offended by that. I have like 10 trench coats. They're my favorite. I think you'd be so cute in a trench coat. You need one. Now I feel contrarian. <laughs> like I don't want to get one just because you are so up in arms. You've brought this up like four times in real life. Yeah. We were at lunch on Friday with a guy and she's like, can you believe Becca doesn't own a trench coat? And this guy was like, I, he's like, I don't care. He's like, don't know what to say. Yeah. We were also in LA where you like don't need one. Anyway. Whatever. Get a trench coat. Well, I'm I'm glad that you like your Emma Lafleur one. <laughs> what about what's your obsession? Okay. So I have two. So first of all, I realize that I don't think we have ever talked about this on the podcast, maybe. So the first is my obsession with Phil's coffee, which I personally like better than Dunkin' Donuts. And it's well, I think they're expanding now because now it's in Chicago and D.C., but it used to be only in San Francisco. So every time I go to San Francisco, I make it a point of needing to have fills. We were not staying near a fills, which I was very upset about, but I did manage to get one while we were in San Francisco. It's so good. I think that, okay, controversial yeah. opinion. I think that if I had to rank chain coffee stores, I would say fills is number one. I would put coffee bean and tea leaf number two because um well duncan's at the bottom no it's not at the bottom so duncan is the worst i would hate you duncan coffee bean is number two because they have crushed ice Mm. i love coffee bean i just i I think their coffee is fine it's it's the ice that does it for me i think their coffee is great oh and then number three would be duncan but that's the most accessible one here so it's my number three but but it's it's my number one in new york yeah and then Starbucks, and then Pete's. Pete's is disgusting. I know. Like if if that's the only thing in the airport, I'll get it. But like I'm upset. That's why I was mad at that terminal that we were in in San Francisco because it doesn't have a good – the Delta terminal yeah. in SFO doesn't have a good coffee place. It only has a place that has Pete's. Ugh, gross. I know, but Phil's is my number one, and I needed to just publicly address that. I think that I liked Phil's. I had it, and I thought it was good, but I felt like it was like a special dessert coffee. Like, I don't think I would have it, like, more than maybe once a week if I lived in San Francisco. I mean, I, that's fair, because it has – the best part about it is they use manufacturing cream yeah. in the coffee, so it it's, was like, very really good. decadent and delicious. It was also super strong. I felt really jittery. Oh, I don't get that feeling. Oh, Kristen and I both got really jittery after ours. That's the feeling that I get from whenever anyone stocks Intelligentsia coffee. I always feel like what I imagine it is like to have just done speed. Interesting. I felt that way from Phil's. Oh, interesting. I would rank coffee, bean, and tea leaf as my number one, which is really hard to find. Are they still in business? There used to be one in Greenwich Village, but it closed. There was one in Times Square. They're definitely in business. They're all over the West Coast. They're everywhere in LA. Even the SF one closed. There used to be one right by the mall. Oh, I don't know. They had the coffee from there in our hotel room. Oh, yeah. I do know that. So I figure they have to be in business. Okay. Duncan's is my number two, but Duncan's broken my heart, so. She's just mad because they won't sponsor her, not because she stopped liking their coffee in any way. Yes. But I'm their biggest fan, and they do sponsored content with, like, every single blogger except me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was my first obsession was Phil's. And the second thing is I bought this two-compartment garlic press thing from Amazon. Yeah. Because I've been cooking a lot more at home because I feel like when we travel a lot, 
well, we or I travel a lot. I when I come home, I swing the other way and I just want to stay home. So I cook at home more and I'm like, I have a cozy feeling. Mm -hmm. So anyway, the thing that I hate the most about cooking is I love garlic and food, but I hate chopping garlic because then it makes my fingers smell really weird for a day. Do you you notice that ever? I do. I often buy chopped garlic in a little jar. I buy that too, but it's not as good. Like the flavor isn't as good. So anyway, I was looking on Amazon and I was like, there must be a gadget for this. And I found this garlic press that has two compartments. Mm -hmm. So one of the compartments uh, like does like the minced, like the small, tiny garlic. And then the other one does slices. Okay. Interesting. That's smart. So you can put it in either one depending on what shape you want. That's super cool. It's It was like $9. I was like, wow, this is a game changer. Amazon, man. And it comes, the other thing that I really liked is it has a um, cleaning tool because I don't okay. have a dishwasher. So yeah. sometimes I feel like with some of these gadgets where I'm like, oh, I can never really like quite get it clean. But That's- it comes with a brush and then this other thing to push out. Oh, cool. That's how I feel fragments. about my microplane. I feel like it's always like slightly dirty. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Anyway. It was like a really stupid little thing, but I really like it. Cool. What about on Instagram? Okay. So this is kind of a – I don't know. I feel like this might be touchy. I don't know how to talk about this. So I love and respect Katie Storino so much in her body positivity movement, but I will be honest that in general, I have not felt super body positive this year. And I talked about that, I think, in our episode with her yeah, absolutely. In, in the new year. And I feel really guilty about that, where it's like, because we're in the midst of this body positivity movement, like, you can't... You can't ever say anything bad about yourself. Exactly. I, I I can't say a bad word. When I gained weight this summer, I, like, mentioned it, and then people were like, how do you feel like this affects your inclusivity mo- movement? And I was like, you guys, like, I, I can be a person and complain, like, so I, I just don't never so, say anything about... I know. So I just... I don't... I feel guilty that I don't feel body positive, but I gained weight over the past few years and I just like, I just don't right now. Um, But anyway, so I start, this is all a very long story, but I listened to this podcast called Diet Starts Tomorrow, which is one of the Betches podcasts. And I like it sometimes. It's like, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. It depends on the guest for me. But anyway, um, in their Facebook group, everyone was talking about this guy, Jordan Syatt. So I started following him on Instagram and at first, I was very passively following, but um, he just did this thing where he ate a Big Mac every day for 30 days and like, and still lost weight over those 30 days. And the point of it was not to say that like Big Macs are healthy, but it was to show that so that there's so much misinformation in the diet industrial complex of like, you have to not eat carbs to lose weight or like, mm-hmm. these foods are bad or these foods are good. And he was like, the whole thing was just like, look, you can eat you can cheat. You can eat foods that are quote unquote bad and you can still lose weight if you like are conscious about what you eat around that. And I know this sounds like so silly, but my mind was blown. So he's been doing it for the last 30 days and I've only been following for maybe maybe like two weeks of it. But um, I don't know. I just really like his content and he talks a lot about food and motivation and dieting and I I like I've just it's so no bullshit and I just I guess I haven't realized how much of this food diet stuff has just like been planted in the back of my brain of like certain foods being good and certain foods being bad like I don't know like I feel when I eat a bagel I'm like oh my god I'm being so bad yeah but if that's all you eat and then you have a salad for dinner you're fine I know but 
Don't you feel bad about that sometimes? No. Oh, I do. I just make sure I don't eat too much. I don't know. So it's been like I'll have a bagel, but then I just really don't eat a lot else. It's been very perspective changing to follow him. So on Instagram, his handle is Syatt, S-Y-A-T-T, fitness. I'm going to follow him. I've, I mean, it's kind of cheesy content, yeah. but like, honestly, I've, it has opened my, opened my perspective a lot on how many messed up ideas about food I have internalized. Like, what are some of those? Um, like that somehow not eating carbs is better for you. Okay. Than eating carbs. Okay. Like if you, if you're on a diet, it has to be low carb. Okay. Yeah. Or, even just like the Big Mac thing, like I feel like if I'm trying to eat healthy and then I have an unhealthy meal, I kind of have a fuck it perspective oh, where then, then I'm just like – go off the rails. Not just for the day where I'm like, today's ruined. So oh, okay. it doesn't even matter. Okay. You know? Yeah. I don't know. It's just I follow think, him and let me know what you think. I think my goal is just always to burn off more than I consume. So – and I have that a- attitude with fitness too. Like if I don't go to the gym, I'll just go for a long walk and then I feel like that helps with like – I don't know. Maybe you have less internalized food food bullshit than I do. Well, I grew up in a house that loves to eat. Like I think I, I grew up in a house that ate like fat free yogurt and like oh, snack really? wells everything. Oh, so like your family ate like diet trends. My mom wouldn't buy me snack wells because everyone was eating them in, in like middle school or whatever. I wanted them so badly, and she was like, <laughs> "You weren't missing much. They weren't that good." <laughs> she would never let me have junk food or like any of that diet food. Mm. Like we always had like. Like whole milk Greek yogurt, like never like the low ones. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But my mom was like very anti-diet food. She's like, there's so many chemicals in that. She was ahead of the curve. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. It, it has been a very okay. enlightening few weeks. I'm going to follow that. I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Okay. What yeah. are you obsessed with on Instagram? Oh, mine's a good one. So it's called Palm Beach Thrifters. So my friend Deirdre got me into it. They have so many cool finds, um, and I think that her and I are going to plan a trip there this winter and go thrifting. Oh, my God. The thrifting in Palm Beach is the best. When I was in high school, I lived – I went to high school, like, right yeah, north you of were right Palm there. Beach. We always used to go down there to go to the Goodwill, and um, I don't know how to say this without being callous, but because the stereotype is really true that there are a ton of old people. Old rich people. You get a lot of, like, estates that are being liquidated there from people who are have died or are, like, moving into a – an assisted living home or yeah. something. So there's such good stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that we're going to do something like that this winter. And Are I'm you going to stay at the Breakers? Um, That or the Colony. I've always wanted to stay at the Colony. Breakers is nicer. I know. Saying. But the Colony has just got such a fun aesthetic. Well. Yeah. You know I love that vintage like, pink and green stuff. If you want to make the wrong choice, that's fine. <laughs> Becca has opinions. I do. What about on the reading front? Ugh, I've been such a bad reader. I've been watching TV since we got back. And then I was like really busy with work while we were in San Francisco. So I was mostly just working on my laptop. I didn't read as much as I thought I would either. I brought three books with me and I only read one. I brought three books and didn't even pick up the any of them. Oh, wow. I, so yeah. I did a little better. I did some reading on the plane. Yeah. So I am still reading Fashion Climbing, which is Bill Cunningham's memoir. It's great. Um, turns out he's a pretty good writer. And I'm also rereading How Could She by Lauren Meckling, which is our October book. Hey. How about you? Um, so I, while I was on the flight to San Francisco, I read With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo. And, so good. Oh, my God. It was wonderful. It was, like, easily a five-star read. This one has been sitting in my 
pile for a couple of months. So this was the book that Akila recommended to us on her podcast episode, and I bought it right away. But it's about a teen mom. She is in her senior year, and she had a baby her freshman year. And she's from a poor community in Philly, and she wants to be a chef. And I had it in my head that this book was going to be depressing, just because her circumstances are somewhat depressing. But it was so wonderful. Oh, it it. was so inspiring. It was so happy. Like, oh, I had so many feelings from this. It was so good. I like loved it so much. Oh, so I, I like can't recommend it highly enough. And I'm really excited. A bunch of people who I put it on my Instagram story and a bunch of people DM'd me to say that they liked her first book even better, which is called The Poet X. And she has a new one coming out too, I think. Oh, I don't. Well, I'm going to order The Poet X. I think she's going to come on the podcast this spring. Oh my God. I hope so. Yeah. Um, and then I haven't read it yet, but I just wanted to bring it up. So um, I just bought The Flat Share by Beth O'Leary um, and it came when I left my apartment, I saw that the Amazon package was there. Yeah. So I'm going to start it tonight. But Hitha told me that this book is like um, matchmaking for beginners, but even better. Oh, my God. Please, can I have your copy when you're done? Yes. But like, I was like, oh, my God, that's such a – that was one of my favorite books. So if this is yeah. like that, but even better, I'm going to love it. I'm also going to ball my eyes out, apparently. If that it's- was like my number two book of – 2018. It was so good. So I'm really excited to start that. I yeah. hadn't really heard of it until I saw Hitha and I saw it maybe in Ashley Spivey's Facebook group. Awesome. Anyway, I'm excited. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun. So I think that's what we have for you today. Yeah. If you want more of us, you should definitely make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Please leave us a review. We always love reviews. Thank you, guys. We... um. I kind of begged on Instagram to get us to over 2,000, and you got us there. So thanks for leaving the reviews. It really makes such a huge difference. And uh, please come to a live show. We have shows coming up in D.C., Philly, Atlanta, New York, and Dallas. You can get tickets at badonpaperpodcast.com backslash live. And if you don't live in one of those cities, come hang out with us on Instagram, which is a pretty accurate proxy for what we're like in real life. Yeah. I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood, and my blog is thestripe.com. And we'll see you next week. Yes, can't wait. Bye. Bye. Bye.